Alright, alright. Welcome to Drop Pass Podcast, you absolute beauty. Another week behind us, and last week I ended up publishing a bit more personal episode where I talked about my own background and took some time to tell you about mental health in sports related to my own experiences. So if you haven't checked that one out already, please do so, because it will let you get to know me a bit better. And I went pretty deep on the mental aspect of sports, especially related to injuries and what I've felt through the rough times. I received positive feedback from that episode from you guys, so... Big thanks to all of you who sent me DMs and commented on the episode because this drives me to present actually interesting topics for you and I really want to take your inputs into consideration to create content that you want me to cover. So once again, big thanks to all of you who reached out to me. This week though, we head back to the trenches as we will take a look at how the teams have done so far and include the most surprising as well as disappointing players from each team from the first quarter of the season. I will go through the players with certain caution since some of the guys have missed some time from the start and some players just have had overall slow starts to their seasons but are most likely bound to bounce back. But with that said, I also have to bring you some bad news. I regretfully have to inform you that Next week, unfortunately, I'm going to have another bye week. And before you press the unfollow and start punching walls, hear me out on this one. The thing is that I was hired to a new job this week and I will work two different jobs next week, some days lasting over 12 hours, which means that I won't have enough time to put out a new episode next weekend. That's why I'm going to give you a bit longer episode this week. And I'm very sorry for the inconsistency, but I hope that you understand the situation from my point of view. I already have something planned out for the Christmas week, so I will do everything in my power to make that happen. And publish that episode before Christmas Eve so that you get to enjoy that so-called Christmas special before the Santa brings you his huge package. And before we head to this week's content... I have a small challenge for you as well. This week, leave a message on my social media, either Instagram or Twitter, including your favorite episodes so far. Usernames can be found from the description. Episode number by itself will be enough, but if you want to specify why that was your choice, feel free to do so. This time everything goes. And once you've sent me the message, I will reply to you with a personalized thank you message, just so that you don't feel like your comments and feedback would go unnoticed. So comment your favorite episode so far, and I will send a personalized reply to that comment. But that's the challenge for this week. Hopefully as many of you as possible participate in this, and we can have the DMs flaming by the end of the week. No time limits. So if you listen to this next summer, the same rules apply. I will make sure to respond to you. You have my promise. With that said, I think we are ready to move on. So strap up. No, not meaning your strap-ons. Well, whatever. I know some of you are into that kind of stuff. But most of all, enjoy the content. Without further ado, let's get going. 
All right, little gummy bear. We are back for some ordinary action. What happened this week? Well, not much, if I'm completely honest. The highlights? Mark Bergevin got booted out of Montreal. Thank you for your service, sir. Matthews shaved his last mustache and right after notched three tucks against the abs. While Philip Forsberg one-upped Escobar and tallied four Genos against the Blue Jackets. Keep the change. Also, McDusty and Dreisaitl are still averaging two points per game. Ovi is in his prime. Raymond is an absolute rock star if I haven't mentioned it already. Malcolm Subban got traded to the Sabres. Who actually cares? Leafs are starting to find their groove and oh yeah... Brenda Lemieux turned into prime Dracula against the Sens and got a five-game sussy for his actions. Like, what the f***, dude? Absolute glam move by him. And I may ask, how dumb you actually have to be to do that? I just can't understand. Well, once they face up against each other again, I can promise you that he ain't leaving without physical reminder from that meeting. But those were pretty much the headlines from the past weeks, so I think we should move straight to see how the teams have done so far and which players have had somewhat disappointing starts, as well as who have exceeded the expectations this season. This time we will go through with a reverse order and start from the bottom where the first team is going to be the Winnipeg Jets. And I remind you once again, I don't want to push these guys under the bus if they've had slow starts. Since there still is over 50 games to be played and some surprising names may level out their production once we head to the second part of the season. So don't expect anything drastic from me when it comes to feedback on these guys. But now, let's get to it. The Jets line themselves up right in the middle of the conference without any huge surprises so far this season. Kyle Connor, Andrew Kopp, Nikolai Ehlers have been their top guns so far, and as I presumed at the start of the season, Pierre-Luc Dubois has bounced back very nicely from his previous season. So far, he has registered 18 points through 22 games, so to me it wasn't a massive surprise to see him reach such point totals so early this season. Yevgeny Smechnikov has calmed down with his point production after a good start to his season, Kyle Connor is having another tremendous year and their goalie Eric Comrie has also had a solid start by posting 0.913 save percentage and 2.49 goals against average. Mark Seifley is slowly picking up the pace again after his injury but the biggest disappointment for them so far has been their captain Blake Wheeler who has only been able to tally 7 points through 17 games. If that total doesn't start to rise we could be seeing a career low for him this season, but I have my doubts about him not picking up the pace and adding to his numbers during the next three quarters of the season. Guys, after all, a seasoned veteran and knows the real game started once we hit the middle point of the season, so no need to worry on his part. They are going to need his leadership in the second part of the season, and overall, not a bad start, but at the same time, not a great one either. I have full belief in them, and you can count on them fighting for the top spots in the Western Conference. Next we move to the US capital, Washington, where the Caps have taken over the Metropolitan Division 
with few games over the Rangers and keep in mind that they are still missing their Swedish assist machine, Mr. Backstrom himself. I didn't expect a sovereign start for them, but there's no doubt that the great aid John Carlson and Yevgeny Kuznetsov have been the catalysts for this phenomenon. Ovi has turned back the clock and is looking extremely dangerous every game. And so far, there hasn't been any major surprises on their lineup. But it has been nice to see their young guns, Martin Fervari, Alexei Protash, Brett Leeson and Connor McMichael, who was by the way my breakthrough candidate, take bigger roles on their lineup and making an impact. Nick Jensen has also contributed on both ends of the ice and once TJ Oshie comes back from his injury, the Caps are up for a heater if the lineup stays healthy. Biggest letdown so far has been Justin Schultz's offensive numbers since once plus 50 point rear guard has only put up 2 points in 20 games, which is currently the worst in the entire core lineup. Also, their goaltending hasn't been absolutely tremendous, but they've been able to win games, so I can't be too mad about it. Overall, strong start for the Caps, so now we have to hope that the injury bug doesn't bite them in the middle of the season. Then we have the Vegas Goldilocks, who have unfortunately struggled with injuries during the early part of the year, and it has reflected to their current numbers. The regulars are on top of the scoring list, and no one has had an atrocious start individually to the season. One might expect bigger offensive numbers from top defensemen Shane Theodore and Alex Pietrangelo, but you have to keep in mind that Pacioretty has only played 6 games, Stone 11 games, and Carlson 8 games, who consolidate much of their offense. And you also can't forget their big acquisition, Jack Eichel, who is slowly recovering from his surgery. So now that the Patches is finally back in action, and once Willie and Jackie Boy make their way back to their lineup, I'm expecting big point increases for all the members of the top two lines, including defensemen. Jonas Renberg has been the spark plug for the Knights with 4 points through 13 games, and his partner Jake Lassishin has also notched 4 points through 18 games, so pretty respectable numbers in their first season in the big league. The biggest letdown, without a doubt, has been their goaltending. Main starter Robin Lehner, 0.909 save percentage, and backup Lauren Brochois with 0.910 save percentage. Those numbers need to pump up if they fancy their chances in the playoffs, but once again, I'm expecting them to evolve into this giant that many of us expected before the season started, so there's no need to panic yet. Underwhelming start, but bound for a bounce back, hopefully. And by the way, Nick Haig, third down from the 30 points I was expecting, so keep an eye out for him as well. Oh, Canucks. What is wrong with you guys? You need someone to talk to? Because you really seem like it. At the bottom of the Pacific and with relatively healthy lineup. Jeez, that's tough with that roster. Unfortunately, it's hard to come by with any major pleasant surprises from this squad. But if I had to name one, it would be their leading scorer, JT Miller who has been carrying their offense with Quinn Hughes and Connor Garland so far. Pedersen, 12 points in 24 games. Höglander, 
10 points in the same amount of games and Brock Besser just 9 points through 21 games just ain't good enough one would expect that those guys are paid for their offense but certainly hasn't happened this season the good thing is that OEL hasn't been an absolute bomb in their back end but for the rest of the squad not including Thatcher Demko I can't say the same this team needs a quick fix and fast and to me it should start from the top since they've been in this tailwater for years now without any measurable results so either go with the wild strategy and make a drastic move to boost the morale of this squad or just sell some assets to refresh the roster looking at you better and if you acquire draft picks please for the love of god don't let Benning be anywhere near the draft board once you step to the stage next summer. Thank you. Just horrific start. What else can I say? At least try to look like you're doing something. And right after that dumping, we move to the other side of the spectrum as we look at Toronto Wagons ongoing season. Disappointments. Justin Hall related to his past season. Nick Ritchie overall and I would say Jake Mussin as well to a certain degree. He has picked up his game as of late but during the early part of the season he and Hall were amongst the worst defensive pairs in the NHL which was quite surprising to say the least. Their whole squad has volunteered to the party and lately the big guns have started to flex their muscles after a slow start so the Leafs are starting to look really dangerous in the east. My breakthrough candidate Sandin has recorded 7 points in 23 games and has been solid on both ends of the ice while Michael Bunning has filled most expectations relied upon him before the season started. 17 points in 24 games is well deserved and he has complemented their top lines with his energetic playstyle and grit. Jack Campbell has continued where he left off last season so so far looking good for the Leafs but we will check back on them once the playoffs start and you know exactly what I mean the Bolts have been as good as one would expect while missing few of their key pieces and the main protagonists are right on top of the scoring table at this point of the season Stammer leading the team in points with bit over point per game average and Alex Barre-Boulet has returned to his old form after a short stint elsewhere. Ross Colton has been a bit of a letdown from the point standpoint and duo Kachuk-Radish hasn't been as effective as I first thought before the campaign. Vasilevsky has looked like his old self in the past few games by recording capital shoutouts and once Point and Kuch get back to the ice closer to January they will be a weapon in the Atlantic once again not that they already were not with this current roster. So pretty much the same old for the Bolts. St. Louis up next and you don't have to be an eye surgeon to see the damage that Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo have inflicted to opposing teams defenses. I mean god damn if you haven't watched them play. Please do yourself a favor and do that because especially Cairo is straight up electrifying to watch. Highlight reel each night and Thomas has found chemistry alongside Tarasenko who has increased his point totals tremendously from the past few seasons. 
O'Reilly's offensive numbers haven't been quite up to par, but what the guy brings to the team defensively is on a whole nother level. Clem Costin has racked up few points already this year and could climb towards plus 25 point season, while Braden Shen has somewhat struggled offensively this year, but I would assume his numbers to bounce back later on this season. I didn't mention Scott Perunovic in my prospect episode, but in this case I will let the numbers speak for themselves, because this guy is a straight up gem. He led the AHL in scoring as a defenseman with 20 points in just 12 games, before his call-up and in 8 NHL games has already registered 3 assists to his score sheet. The 23-year-old has finally broken into their decor and is bound for a top 4 spot in the future. Nico Mikkola also registered his first goal of the season last week, and Ville Husso deserves a shout-out at this point, since I had very low expectations for him coming into this season, but he has pleasantly surprised me with his numbers. 4 games, 0.936 save percentage, and 1.76 goals against average, so very respectable numbers for their backup. Hopefully this trend continues, and by the looks of it, the Blues are playoff bound once again this year. And after a few prices, we get back to disappointment territory as we check out how our newest NHL expansion team's season has gone so far. Well, to put it nicely, not particularly well. Second last in the Pacific and not looking too hot overall. Swartz, Eberly, Gord and McCann have led their offense, but overall, the lack of firepower is really taking a toll on this team. They have good complementary pieces, but you have to admit the fact that this team wasn't made to succeed in their first year. Collier and Kroc has been very underwhelming, and even though Brandon Tanev has brought secondary scoring to their squad, you need guys that produce on a nightly basis, and your top guns, well, they aren't up to that task, unfortunately. And when it comes to their goaltending, well... Either their past numbers have been inflated because of strong defenses or Seattle's defense and defensive structure just suck ass because those numbers are straight up horrific to watch and not just group hours. Both rocking sub 900 save percentage and on the bottom of the league so my advice would be to get some assets and start to focus on next year's draft because now you're just battling against time. It is an unfortunate situation for Seattle fans because we know how passionate the fan base is and the team just isn't up to expectations, even though some might have seen this coming before the season started. But as I said, maybe deal one of your goaltenders and few solid depth options to contenders and focus on next summer to make yourself competitive in a few years. It still ain't too late to improve your Shane Wright lottery tickets. So good luck, Seattle. Then we head to California where the Sharks have so far exceeded expectations and sit on the 6th spot in the West. Timo Meyer on top of the scoring table with over point per game pace. And not to pump my own tires too much, but might have suggested something like this in the season previews. James Reimer has been an absolute unit in their crease and there ain't too many disappointments when it comes to personal stats so far this season. 
Jonathan Dahlen's production has slowly dimmed down, but Alexander Barabanov has increased his point total slowly once coming back from his injury. But if the Sharks want to fight for a playoff spot, which I still doubt, they need more production from Kevin LaBanc. Six points in 16 games isn't just sufficient enough. But other than that, there ain't too many huge disappointments or surprises on their roster, and I'm actually a bit surprised how successful they've been without huge involvement from their depth options. But with that said, I'm totally on board with the idea that this team will start to sink if their first line has to carry the whole team through 82-game season. We'll see how long this lasts, but I still can't see them in the playoffs without any changes to their lineup. Hashtag Rhymer for Vesna. Next we have the Penguins, who recently changed the team's ownership group, but when it comes to team's on-ice performance... Well, let's say that it has probably been crystallized in Sidney Crosby's increased physical violence inside the rink. First there was the judo throw last week, and this week he performed a clean suplex on Calgary's Rasmus Anderson. Minus 8 on the plus-minus column and pretty mediocre performances for most players in their lineup. Especially Jason Zucker has been very disappointing, and while off-season acquisitions Brock McKean and Danden Heinen have brought depth scoring to their lineup, they are clearly missing Gino and Rust from their lineup. But the biggest surprise from the Pens has been without a doubt Tristan Jerry, who has carried the team in many games and currently rocks one of the best stat lines in the entire NHL. Impressive 0.933 save percentage and 1.97 goals against average so far. They are still very much in the hunt for a playoff spot and now that Malkin has started to train with the team, they should find more consistent offense after Gino steps in their lineup. Evan Rodriguez has stepped up big time for them, and Jake Genzel has been the stud, so with few players returning to their lineup, they should find more consistency in the later part of the campaign. No panic yet, but just need to find more consistency. And pretty much the same things apply to the other Pennsylvania team, the Philadelphia Flyers. Only above the aisles and Sabres in the standings, and for sure, not what they were expecting heading into this season. Claude Giroux, alongside Sean Couturier, have led the team's offense, and so far, the secondary production has been missing for the most part. Cam Atkinson, Travis Konechny, and Joel Thurby have registered about a half a point per game, but that's not the production we are expecting from these guys. Meanwhile, James Van Riemsdyk's production has straight up fallen off a cliff when looking back at his previous season. Only 6 points in 20 games, and defensively the team hasn't been as solid as expected before the season started. Ryan Ellis' injury has affected their game to some extent, him being their most productive demand related to games played, while last summer's acquisitions Keith Yandel and Rasmus Ristolainen have been pretty weak on both ends of the ice. Now that Kevin Hayes is coming back in their lineup, they should get some additional offense to their top 6, and also, Morgan Frost has continued right where he left off before his major injury last year. Goaltending hasn't been atrocious, and Carter Hart has recovered quite nicely from the hideous last season. 
But seemingly, the defense is still their biggest weakness, even though they added pieces to their back end last summer. The consistency in the offensive zone is a question mark as well, so the question remains what they can do to fix these major holes in their game. I still believe in their playoff chances, but they need to step up their game if they want to advance from the tough Metropolitan Division. The biggest headline so far for the Sens has been Matt Murray's situation in Ottawa. And if you haven't read the news, he was placed on waivers this week by the organization. He then released a statement regarding his position in the team and he felt like he was being used as a scapegoat for their atrocious start to the season. That might be true to some extent, but when you look at his personal numbers and remind yourself of how many players have been missing from their roster because of COVID-related issues, you start to get the big picture of why the team is currently suffering. I mean, he has one of the worst deadlines in the NHL and pretty much they've been alternating between three goaltenders because no one so far has been any better than the others. And when you check the overall stats of the team, you start to realize that the problem might not stem from their goaltending. Their roster just isn't up to par when compared to the competitors inside the division, and pretty much the only player that currently stands out production-wise is Drake Patterson with over point per game average. Thomas Shabbat's deadline is fairly rough to look at. Tim Stutzler hasn't found his offensive touch, and overall... And overall, the stat lines are pretty mediocre throughout the team, however you want to look at it. Not a rosy start for the Sens, and I'm going to keep my head and say that the playoffs are just a fantasy at this point for the team, and you should really start to look at your future regarding the whole organization. But then we have the Rangers, who have had a very good start to their season, and my breakthrough candidate Kaapo Kakko, has finally started to light up the score sheet in their last 8 games. The main suspects are on top of their scoring list, but I have to say that I've been very disappointed in Alexis Lafreniere's performance so far. And I know the same thing occurred with Kakko, so I won't worry too much about it, but I had bigger expectations for him coming into this season. Now playing in their bottom 6 and probably the frustration inside him boiled over, in a game against the Isles, when he got into his first career scrap against Jean-Gabriel Bajau. Tough start for the guy, but has to battle through this stage and slowly build his confidence back, since he is still expected to be a huge part of their organization going forward. Another disappointment so far has been Phil Peedle, just 4 points in 18 contests, and needs to add more to his numbers, since the Rangers are going to need complementary production, if they want to see a deep playoff run. Keandre Miller has continued his mature game this year, and his partner Niels Lundqvist has broken into their top six as well, so the defense is starting to take its shape for their future. Alexander Gorgiev's start to this season has been miserable, and his fellow countryman Igor Sestjerkin has owned the crease so far, and belongs to the cream of the league at this stage with 0.935 save percentage and 2.15 goals against average. Those numbers have enabled the Blue Shirts to battle for the win each night, and he could be challenging for the Vesna at the end of the season. Strong start for the Rangers, and now we have to hope that the train continues and their top guns stay healthy during the last quarters of the campaign. Oh, Islanders. Rough go, eh?
Man, it is looking really rough for you guys, and you are making me look foolish at the same time, since I thought that they would be battling for the conference title this year. Well, so far, it isn't looking that way, unfortunately. Lots of injuries, and when your first line consists of Barzal, Palmieri, and Perisi, I guess you shouldn't expect big results, right? I'm a bit heartbroken for these guys, even though I don't like to watch them regularly. But you know how they performed last year, and it just brings an element to this equation. Josh Bailey, back in the lineup. Anders Lee, finally back in the squad. Ryan Pulock, still missing. Adam Pelek, back. Richard Panik, still missing. And certainly, Varlamov was also affected by his offseason injury, but fortunately... Elias Sorokin has kept the team afloat this season so far. Really rough start for the team and the guys that have stayed healthy haven't just found ways to win games when the top guys are missing from their lineup. Beauvillier, Pajot, Dobson and Palmieri have all had underwhelming seasons to this point and off-season acquisition Chara just looks old on the ice. And that is unfortunate to see from a decade-long elite defenseman, but... After all, Father Time just catches up with you. Like I said, Sorokin has been an absolute superman to this team, and without him, I think they would be closer to Habs and Yotes numbers, but they still have a chance to fight for a playoff spot if they can get guys back in their lineup and bounce back from this hideous start. Still have hope for this team, but after New Year's, something has to happen, and rapidly. Devils as well have had somewhat of a rough start to their season, but you have to remember that the division they are in is extremely competitive this year, and they need to find another year to fight for a playoff spot. When it comes to their surprises, I need to nominate a few guys that have stood out this year so far. Andreas Janssen has found his former touch and currently leads the team in points. Dawson Mercer has been outstanding in his first year in the show, and even I couldn't have predicted such a strong start for the rookie. Jesper Brad has looked as good as ever. Alex Holtz has impressed in few games that he's played with the Devils. And now that Jack Hughes is back in their lineup, we should expect continuation to his strong start this year. On the hindsight, the biggest letdown so far have been Damon Severson and Ty Smith. Severson has only tallied 4 points in 20 games, while he has seen the impact of diminished minutes because of the presence of Dougie Hamilton on their blue line. He has never been the best defensively, and now that his offensive duties have decreased, his numbers have looked even worse than the years past. Ty Smith has hit a wall as well, and 3 points in 16 contests isn't what anyone expects from this undersized puck mover. Hopefully, these guys can elevate their game in the second part of the season, since this year it seems as they could have a chance to squeak into the playoffs with a strong push in the later part of the year. But we will see what eventually happens. Next we move to Nashville, and this team has surprised many, me included, by their performance. And to be honest, I might be the one responsible for their strong start. Since both Duchesne and Johansson have elevated their games, and currently Duchesne is rocking with 24 points in 23 games, and Johansson has racked up 18 points in 23 contests. Talk about glitch in the system. Those guys, alongside Mikael Grandlund, 
Roman Yossi, Philip Forsberg and Jose Saros have been the catalysts of this team and currently cruising in the central division. Somehow though, I still have my doubts about their playoff expectations. Currently, they are lacking a real dependable backup who could win them games and the depth options have been very inconsistent so this leaves me questioning their long-term success in a tough central division. No major disappointments, but Tolvanen and Ekholm could pad their stats a bit more if they admire a long season this year. Regardless, very strong start related to expectations, but we have to wait and see where this trend takes them in the long run. Then we have the Montreal Canadiens, and you don't have to expect a lengthy monologue from this team since the overall collapse from a Stanley Cup challenger to a draft lottery favorite has been one of the worst I've seen during my entire lifetime. They've been the ATM of points for the rest of the teams in the league, and of course Carey Price and Shea Weber are out of the lineup, but you can't go behind that argument when the team has been quite healthy and can only score against Jonathan Quick. It should also tell you something if news outlets label Ben Sharad as their best player from the early season, and their best point getters have 15 points through 25 games. Not to mention last year's top 5 defenseman in scoring, Jeff Petrie, who has only 2 points through first 25 games. It's been a hideous start for the Habs, and I just hope that whoever steps up as their new GM will start to visualize their future, because this season is a lost cause, and there are great players available in next year's draft class. I respect Mark Bergevin's contribution to the organization, but now it's time to get a new face into office to decide on their future as one of the most legendary teams in North American sports. Rest in peace, have season, fire sale on the deadline, and focus on getting the savior, Shane Wright, to Montreal. And that's all for now. Mini, on the other hand, has had a tremendous start to their season and currently holds the first place in the Central Division, thanks to Kirill's show and overall very collective effort from the whole team. Ryan Hartman is having a career year with 21 points through 23 games. Alex Koligoski, who was signed in the offseason, has 16 points in 20 games. Another free agent acquisition, Dmitry Kulikov, has 11 points through 22 games, and even Rem Pitlick, who was acquired from Nashville, has registered 10 points in 14 games. Cam Talbot has taken over their crease, and the team is looking like a very cohesive unit through the first stage of the season. Jordan Greenway is the only disappointment from their squad from the point standpoint, but other than that, no any glaring issues worth mentioning. It is still too early to tell if they will actually challenge the juggernauts of the league in the playoffs, knowing their history in the postseason. But I'm very glad to see that the changes Bill Guerin has implemented are starting to come to fruition, since the organization and the fans have been waiting for this kind of success from them for years now. Their season hasn't been rocked with any major injuries, so I fear that the injury bug will hit the team at some point and affect their final outcome. So at this point, I just have to knock on wood to not jinx the organization by my actions. But with that said, I think we are ready to move back to California. While the Kings have had an up and down season, 
and have slowly fallen towards the bottom of the Western Conference. Cal Peterson has been nothing we expected, and the relatively young team has suffered from inconsistency in the early part of the campaign. H is catching up with Dustin Brown, and Rudadis' absence weakened their defense quite drastically, which showed in their results. The Young Bucks are slowly making their way to the NHL, and the most notable rookies on their lineup have been recently promoted, Kale Clegg and Sean Dursey, alongside Rasmus Kupari and Arthur Kaliev, as they are still waiting for Quinton Byfield to recover from his injury. Victor Arvidsson has been a good addition to their offense, but the overall growing pains are noticeable. I didn't expect them to fight for a playoff spot already this year. If they can find consistency and few players can take bigger roles on their lineup, they could challenge for a wildcard spot, but I still have my doubts about their success. They are showing good signs of recovery from past years, but you have to keep in mind that even though Kopitar, Slow and Dowdy have been the clear-cut leaders in this team, they ain't getting any younger, so the youngsters need to really step up to benefit from this particular time window. Florida's wagon is the one that teams are trying to stop, but the squad is starting to look almost unstoppable, and their additions have paid off so far during this season. Obrowski has bounced back to his elite level, Huberto and Eggblad are amongst the best players in the league, Anthony Duclair has stepped up big time, and Sam Reinhardt and Anton Lundell have been tremendous additions to their already stacked squad. Joshua Barkov suffered an unfortunate injury a couple weeks back, but he is expected to return to their lineup before the Olympics, and everyone already knows his insurmountable value for the entire organization. Carter Verhege also has kept his level from the last year, and I can't emphasize enough Lundell's added value to their lineup. He alongside Ed Luostrinen have been relied upon on short-handed situations, and the guys currently have the most block shots out of their entire forward group. Wasterinen as well has chipped in offensively and has racked up so far 7 goals and 1 assist in 20 contests, and so has matched his career best in 24 or less games. These guys don't get enough recognition in my mind, but for sure have had a big impact to their results as well. All in all, as I said, extremely strong start for the Panthers, and one to watch once the playoffs roll around. The two-man wrecking crew is still very much in place in Edmonton, alongside their supporting cast of Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Jesse Puljujärvi, Zach Hyman, Tyson Berry, and Darnell Nurse. The team is looking very solid so far, and it hasn't hurt them to see my breakout candidate Evan Bouchard and young backup Stuart Skinner step into bigger roles in the team. Skinner has so far registered 0.921 save percentage and 2.70 goals against average in 7 starts, while Bouchard has become one of their most reliable blue liners, with 15 points in 22 games and extremely steady two-way presence. Both have been difference makers on their lineup, and especially when you look at how they've been able to fill the holes left by Adam Larson slash Oscar Glefbaum and Mike Smith in their crease, you start to notice how critical these two have been for the whole team. Only disappointment so far has been Kyler Yamamoto's offensive output, but other than that, there isn't too much to complain about when it comes to their players. They could add one or two depth pieces during the deadline to bolster their two-way game, but 
when you have two players averaging two points per game, you are looking at a contender, however you want to see it. Playoffs are a whole nother animal on its own, so we have to wait and see what happens in the oil country once we head towards the most crucial time of the season. The next team we are going to look into has been one of the most entertaining teams in the first part of the season, and at the same time, for sure, one of the bigger surprises of the whole campaign. The Red Wings have surprised many fans this year, and especially the huge impact from rookies Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider has been the X-factor for this team. These two have stepped in their lineup with little to no growing pains and have looked like seasoned veterans in most of their games. Raymond currently rocking 22 points through 24 contests, while Sider's points total glares beautiful 16 points in the same amount of games. Straight up savages these two, and add to that the fact that they are currently in a playoff spot even without Jakub Vrana, who was point per game last season. Filip Sadina and Michael Rasmussen have elevated their play as well, and Alex Nedeljkovic has been the backbone in their net, so you can bury me on that one. I was expecting a tough year for him in Detroit, but 0.923 save percentage and 2.58 goals against average proved that the guy was a straight-up bargain from the Canes, and I still can't understand why they made that move. Well, we probably will never know the reason, but regardless, as I've said before, this team will be a menace in a few years, once they add some pieces to support their current squad, and that's exactly why I'm fired up for this team's future. Next on the agenda, we have the Dallas Stars, who as well have been an up-and-down team this year. Currently in a five-game winning streak and slowly starting to pick up the pace. And before we head to any deeper analysis, I have to tell you that if they are not going to make the playoffs this year, John Klingberg is out of the window in a hurry. Only seven points through 16 games and one year remaining in his contract. And that's not sufficient enough for a first-pairing offensive D-man while 36-year-old Ryan Suter has notched 12 points so far and Miro Heiskanen is cruising with 16 points through the first 21 games. Regardless, just keep in mind that I've said that and let's head to see who else has disappointed me so far this year. Well, you don't have to look much further to notice that the trio of Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn and Alex Radulov have been quite miserable this year and it is starting to look like the young guns plus Joe Pavelski are becoming the leaders of this team by a large margin. Sagan, 10 points, and both Ben and Radulov with 9 through 21 games, and Radulov's minus 10 rating sticks out to you like a boner inside tight khakis. I don't want to lynch them, but boy, they've been awful this year. We saw last year that Ben's numbers were in huge decline, but I didn't expect similar curve for the other two. I don't believe that they can make the playoffs if these four guys can't get their games on point, which is pretty unfortunate, but that's just the reality of it. Braden Holtby has been a key addition to their crease, and Jake Ottinger has shined in his few starts, so these guys are the ones you need to thank for not melting away their playoff dreams already this early in the season. We will check back on them 
closer to the playoffs, but hopefully this win streak will light up the fire for the others on the roster as well. Columbus, on the other hand, has performed better than I expected before the season started. And of course, we are only quarter way through the season, but still, they've surprised me with their somewhat strong start. They've allowed their young guns to step into the lineup, and although it may not pay big dividends this year, you may see the results in a year or two. Both Sillinger and Shinahov have looked promising, and Jake Bean has showcased his talents on the blue line, but for the most part, are still getting used to the NHL pace. I was expecting bigger contribution from Jack Roslovich heading into this season, but so far his offense has been stuck and we can only hope that he finds his groove sooner rather than later. Linus' absence might have an impact to that equation, but still, they need more from him, no ifs or buts about it. Adam Bogvist has been decent as well, and Jakub Rodercek has taken a leader role on the team, so you could say that the offseason moves that Jarmo Kekalainen made are resulting in positive outcomes. Merce Lakins has been rock solid in their crease as well, but the team still looks a bit raw related to their competition. So all I can say at this point is promising start and promising outlook for the future as well. A lot to expect as a Jackets fan and as a last note, Jonas Korpisalo might be on his way out of town. So don't get surprised when Jampe makes his move. The Avs have had a bit of a rough start to their season related to expectations, but whoever believes that they are not making the playoffs this year is a straight-up mouth breather. Nate Dogg is back from his injury, and the team so far has been hit with significant injuries, which shows in the results. Darcy Kemper, Bowen Byram, and JT Comfer are currently the only ones out of their lineup, but for the most part, the team is coming back to full health so better results are expected if their goaltenders can keep their net clean while Kemper recovers from his injury. Nassim Kadri has made use of the extra ice time allocated to him and has surprised many fans by his output so far this year. Their main guns, Landeskog, Makar, Rantanen and Girardi have been as strong as you would expect and now that Davon Taves is back on their back end, they should really stand out from the rest of the team's with their pedigree. The supporting cast on their lineup has been rock solid as well, so seemingly the only weakness that they need to address is their goaltending, since currently the only goaltender that can stop Bucks somewhat consistently is Kemper, and they can't afford to lose games because of lack of that aspect. They could address that weakness already before the deadline, so don't act surprised if Joe Sakic makes moves right after the Christmas break. All in all, not what we expect from them so far, but for sure going to challenge the top teams in the league as the season rolls on. But then we move to Chicago, and if you seriously expected something major out of this group, you better put on the red nose, because the circus is looking for volunteer clowns. This team has been straight up awful this year, and it doesn't warm you knowing the fact that only four players have contributed for the team so far. Patrick Kane, Seth Jones, Alex Debrinket, and Marc-Andre Fleury. Other than that, straight up as... I'm sorry Hawks fans, but I gotta be honest. I fully understand the situation that Jonathan Taves is currently in, 
And honestly, we were expecting too much from this guy from the get-go. Kubalik and Doug haven't found their offense, Murphy and McCabe have looked like pylons in their back end, and Lankinen hasn't found his last year swagger that he started the season with. Also, I have to mention my breakout candidate Henrik Borgström, who has only 2 points through 13 contests. That's pretty tough to look at, and I'll take that to the chin, no regrets. So what does the future hold for these guys? My best guess would be a few big trades, and when I say big, I mean Patrick Kane-sized trades and a big return so that you can focus on the youth while the core is still very young, not mentioning flurry or tapes. They've been trading guys out of Chicago that won you the Stanley Cup, and the plaster is already gone, so please don't stop now. I know that there's sentimental value to this whole case, but to me, you lost it when you sold Corey Crawford to New Jersey a few years ago, so go all in since you've already started. I don't see any other way around it, and Kane still has huge value in the trade market even with his contract, so it would be stupid to not benefit from this position business-wise. We'll see what they end up doing, but one thing I can guarantee is that they won't make the playoffs. So... Let's start from that. Another wagon from the East, and it's no surprise that the Canes have been collectively one of the strongest teams in the league. And I don't mean physically, even though an absolute mutant stands behind their bench named Rod Brindamore. D'Angelo has replaced Hamilton with flying colors, and the top six has been as good as advertised. Seth Jarvis has brought an additional element to their second line, and the bottom six has provided solid two-way game throughout the first part of the season. So far, the lineup has stayed healthy, and they can only hope that the same trend continues, since they are going to need all four lines during the crunch time, if they want to fight for the cup this year. Without a doubt, they are one of the favorites this year, and Freddie Anderson has showed that he isn't as big of a liability than many of us thought before the season. I don't have much to say about their game at this point since it has been so well balanced this year, so the only concern at this point are the injuries and I don't want to jinx it, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut because of that. Let's head to the next one. Well, well, well. Both teams from Alberta are fighting for the top spots in the West, and currently, Calgary sits at the top spot in the Pacific. Once again, there isn't much to complain in their game, and all parts seem to be in place in Calgary, believe it or not. Daryl Sutter has brought the best out of this group, and they are starting to look like a real contender, even though I have my doubts about their success in the playoffs. Andrew Mangiapane has been an absolute unit for them with 16 goals in 24 games and Oliver Shillington has replaced captain Mark Giordano nicely on their back end. Their lineup is very nicely organized and the addition of Blake Coleman to their top nine has paid dividends and I may even say that they are currently playing even too well. The first line has been on fire so far and the rest of the group has provided enough to win games on a nightly basis without forgetting the best current Coley tandem in the league, Jakub Markström and Daniel Vladar. 
That has been their recipe for success, so they just need to keep their level and try to minimize the injuries in order to head to the playoffs with a strong regular season. Believe it or not, but the Sabres haven't been as bad as I first thought before the season started. Six wins already, and not at the bottom of the conference. They call that a win in Buffalo. But I think that's enough praising, let's get the facts straight. This team is still awful, however you want to look at it. Top tier players missing, secondary scoring somewhat missing, and depth. Well, if you don't compare it to Carolina, then you might have something, and goaltending, is there even any? I mean, they acquired Malcolm Subban from Chicago, but... Do you really think that he's the one that will take them to the promised land? If you want to bet on that, just send me a DM and I'll send you a text with my info on it so that you can deposit the money. Do we have a deal? Awesome. But seriously, Craig Anderson, Dustin Tukarski and Aaron Dell. Let me laugh for a moment. And these guys think that they are somehow hiding this tanking. I mean, they could reach like 20 wins this year with Tuck in their lineup, but I would be surprised if Tage Thompson, Kyle Ocposo, and Jeff Skinner could keep this level of scoring up, since only players that I see capable of doing that are Dylan Cousins, Victor Olofsson, Alex Tuck, and maybe Casey Middlestad, but that's about it. The few wins at the start of the season were usual flukes, but now that teams are already focusing on winning, just bad your stats, boys. That's all you can do. That's all about I have to say about this team. Soon going to realize the fact that they are going to fight with the likes of Habs and Yotes for Shane Wright. So please don't even bother. And before we head to Boston, I have to address the Dalene situation since... What the f*** is he doing? He was supposed to be the next headman, but at least... I haven't seen that guy in Buffalo. Have you? The guy looks like a prime pylon out there and probably couldn't stop Radko Gudas on a one-on-one. I mean, that's Buffalo for you. You should probably contact someone to change your whole identity and flee from the city because by the looks of it, it ain't getting any better anytime soon. Whatever the deal is, Probably related to the whole organization is my educated guess. Something has to be done, whether it is a total benching of the guy or deal out of there, because it is straight up miserable to watch the guy for real. Please send your prayers to Buffalo for all the victims of the Sabres organization. Thank you. When talking about the Bruins, I have to quote myself from a previous episode. They are missing three lines from the roster, and no, I don't mean injury-wise, they just haven't showed up to games. Okay, you may add Charlie Coyle and Taylor Hall to the equation, but other than that, pretty much minimal effort from rest of the group. Marchand, Bergeron, Pasta and McAvoy carrying the team's offense, and even Jeremy Swayman has looked more solid in their crease than the off-season acquisition Linus Olmark. I mean the first line can only take you so far and if the others don't pick up the pace they might be in deep trouble because that won't carry them deep in the playoffs if they are even able to make it. 
Mike Riley and Matt Grizzlick have both struggled offensively and like I said, the secondary scoring has been very lackluster. I see some changes happening pretty soon after the break if the team doesn't start rolling and they can only hope that if Rask signs with them, he is in his level because otherwise it's going to be a long road to the playoffs. Currently, I don't see them as a playoff contender, so Jake DeBrus could be the first man out of Boston if and when they decide to make the necessary changes to their lineup. Who they could acquire is still a serious question, but something has to happen and fast. So keep a close eye on this team. They ain't just surrendering. I'm very sure of that. The penultimate team of this run through is the Arizona Coyotes, and it ain't a surprise that talks of relocation have resurfaced after having only won three games out of their first 24 games. They are Houston bound, let me tell you. The desert exploration is coming down to its end, and it's time to start talking about the next relocation of an NHL franchise. I mean, we didn't expect much from this team coming into this season, and this is the end result which I fully respect. They fully committed to the rebuilding process and I think that it is now time to make a fresh start to the entire organization under new leadership. And don't worry about their stats, even though Jacob Chikrin's plus-minus category is hard to look at. That is the price you pay when you want to start with a clean slate. Ghost could be used as a trade chip because of his bounce back and Phil Kessel is most certainly one of the guys that is going to leave the dessert once they are ready to pull the trigger. Clayton Keller has been the bright spot on the roster and Kyle Capobianco has benefited from the added ice time. Barrett Hayden hasn't been able to step up his game which is very unfortunate but overall this is pretty much the outcome we expected. Chicago, Montreal and Vancouver have a real competition between each other for the first overall pick. So that should be the challenge in which they focus on this year. We'll see who comes on top, but there isn't much to analyze when it comes to this team's performances. Try to reach at least 15 wins this season to make it somewhat interesting. The last team of this episode is going to be none other than the Anaheim Ducks, who have been without a doubt the biggest surprise this season in the NHL. Currently in the top 5 in the West, and not looking like willing to give away any easy points on any given night. I already pumped so much Troy Terry's tires that I don't feel the need to do that anymore, so I'm just going to say that it doesn't look like this guy will stop scoring anytime soon. On the other hand, Trevor Zegras has found his groove again, and is entertaining us with highlight reel moves on a nightly basis. Absolute stud. He's currently only 4 points away from point per game pace and he is making Ducks fans scream themselves with his potential and high-end skill set. It also doesn't hurt that Sonny Milano has found another gear to his game and has benefited from a top 6 ice time. 17 points in 20 games is much more than I expected heading into this season, so hopefully he keeps his level and we could see the Ducks in the playoffs as the dark horse of the league. Adam Henrik has been a consistent contributor for them. Kevin Stadenkirk has found his offensive toolset, and the daddy himself, Ryan Getzlaff, 
has reduced his age by 5 years playing alongside these young bucks. In addition to these, Isaac Landestrom has registered good numbers and their goaltending has so far been one of the best in the league when looking at collective numbers. I could continue naming players that have surpassed their expectations, but I feel like this episode is going to be long enough without going too in-depth with their stats, so we are going to leave it at that. The only concern in the roster has been Maxim Contois' struggles, and if the Ducks want to take a flyer for the playoffs, he could be the guy to use as a trade chip to get a solid return in a deal. I wouldn't necessarily do that because of just one year, and you have to keep in mind that he was their best producer last year and has really tenacity to make things happen on a nightly basis. So to me, it would be a foolish to let go of them just based on this season. Overall, the team has brought an additional element to the league similar to Detroit and it has been fun to see them succeed with little to no expectations. Hopefully this continues because right now they are one of the most entertaining teams to watch in the NHL and just like Detroit, the future is looking bright for this organization as well. But that brings us to the end of this episode and I feel like it was the right time to check on the teams before we head to the Christmas break. Most of the contending teams are filling expectations but the teams that have surprised might make the playoff race interesting once we head to the later stages of the regular season. So far we've been able to dodge the major restrictions but it has to be said that currently the situation doesn't look too bright for the league or the fans given the fact that more and more players are heading to COVID protocols and the new variant might bring results that we fans do not want to see. But we just have to wait and see how the things turn out. Hopefully for better. Next week, as I said, will be a bye week because of the work situations. Apologies for that, but I'm fully focused on bringing the Christmas episode for you before the actual holiday itself. All I can say is that exciting things are planned for the future. Make sure to follow this podcast on your preferred app to not miss any future episodes and also go press the follow button on Instagram at drop underscore pass to get the latest details and sneak peeks of ongoing events. Hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. I'm sure I did since it was nice to review how the teams have done so far. And we are going to come back to this topic once we are headed to the later stages of the regular season. Have an awesome week you warrior and start to get yourself mentally ready for Christmas. Because Santa is on his way. As always, stay tuned, stay safe. Until next time. Alright.